close call with death. Have you had one? I have. I've had a lot of them, but who's counting? In this session, we'll talk about the events of those of us that have come dangerously close to death and had the great luck or destiny to elude death and carry on. Enjoy the show. Isaac Childs, a friend I met on Corporate Alliance trip, a networking cool group that um, took a bunch of us people, professionals out years ago to Peru. And uh, Isaac and Becky Childs are a super cool couple that have a great family, are into the outdoors, fishing, kind of like as a religion, and very active in life. Um, I just really enjoyed them and getting to be friends with them. Isaac is actually a CEO and founder of this company called Rustico in Utah, and it's a company that manufactures leather goods like diaries and, and device covers, portfolios, jewelry, stuff like that, really quality leather goods. And I actually um, have journal entry journals that are leather made by Rustico, his company. And um, I just love it. So um, they grew up, uh, Isaac and Becky, they grew up in Utah. And um, Becky's actually a yoga instructor. And when we were on our trip to Peru, I did some yoga uh, that she led the class in the middle of a kind of like a an area where we were staying and it was so so cool it made me want to really get into yoga and uh, so the world's way more zen when you experience the calming classes that becky puts on so this family is so chill and happy and everything what happened that rocked their world that caused them to reflect back on life because of a close call with death i got to talking to Isaac about his recent episode with a close call with death and it absolutely was something I wanted to capture on this podcast so Isaac thank you so much for being with me today hey Bob thanks for having me on the show it's it's fun to be here I'm glad you're here and and I'm glad you're alive too man when we were talking and you told me about some of the things that are going on lately I didn't even know uh, that uh, that a lot of things that had happened to you recently did happen, and I'm so grateful that you're alive. Um, so tell me about who's sitting in front of me here right now. Tell me a little bit about Isaac Childs, um, where you grew up, where you live now, your fi- family dynamics. Tell me about that. Sure. Um, uh, you know, I'm Isaac Childs. I think you mentioned in the intro that uh, I, I take my fly fishing pretty seriously. Um, is it truly like a religion? It is. It is very much. I actually was born in Wyoming. Um, our family lived up there when I was really young and then moved down here to Utah, um, southern Utah County. Uh, and we've always had this fly fishing um religion, uh, sport, if you want to call it that in our family. Um, something my dad taught me as a young kid and, and, uh, I've continued on that forever. Uh, but, awesome. a, but a little bit about me, uh, I was born in Wyoming, lived in Utah most of my We're life. We're at Wyoming. Uh, the Bighorn Mountains. So like level Wyoming, it's a pretty small little town. And okay. So that, you know, I'd forgotten that and it's been like a while since you and I have talked and I grew up in Wyoming. I oh, grew yeah. up in Worland, Wyoming, which is really close to Lovell, Wyoming, like so close. So you know exactly where. Yeah, where I'm I do. From. I know yeah. where the Bighorn Basin. I know the Bighorn Mountains. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, my, I grew up there. My dad taught us. He drug us around there hunting and fishing when we were really little. Um, and then we moved over here to Utah, um, down in southern Utah County in Payson and in Spring Lake um, shortly after that. But we kept that kind of alive. So that, that, that's, our, that's our home front right there. Fantastic. So Great. And um, married? Children? Yeah, yeah. So I'm married. Uh, obviously, we talked a little bit about Becky, my wife. Uh, she's awesome. We've been married uh, 21 years. Congratulations. Um, we have three kids. Uh, my oldest is 19, and then my youngest is 13. So two boys and a girl. So my middle uh, middle son is uh, 16. So fantastic. So they're growing up big. We're we're getting to that stage. I think where they're almost getting out of the house. It's it's kind of weird for us suddenly to have weekends free um, because they're busy with their friends or or whatever and and. That's kind of a cool stage to be in all of a sudden. Yeah, you just kind of like ch- chasing after your kids in a little bit different way than when they're little toddlers and stuff, but you're now you're just trying to pace and keep up with them. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So That's great. And um, where do you live now? So we're based in uh, Lehigh, Utah. We've been there for a while. Um, we've watched a lot of that growth kind of explode over there in, in the Silicon Slopes of, of Utah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, and then, of course, you mentioned uh, Rustico, my business, which is Rustico.com. We design and make handcrafted leather goods that become artifacts in people's lives is what we, is, is kind of our mission. We, we really want to build products that have these intrinsic, soulful uh, value to them, impact into people's lives. And, and uh, that's something I started in college uh, and have really put a lot of my purpose behind that brand and it's been going strong for almost uh, 21 years as well so well and you know what hats off to you that you did well through uh, the pandemic and when a lot of companies were struggling you know you just kept going and um, I bet a lot of people decided to use some of the journals that you guys make and record what it's like to be at home a lot and and uh, maybe by themselves a lot more than they ever anticipated. Just life's history written in a journal. So that's that's cool. You did a good thing. Yeah, yeah. The pandemic definitely is was a test, I think, to a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs, business owners in tenacity and perseverance. Um, yes, no doubt. I think also some creativity and pivoting and, and strategy on how to how to keep going and moving forward uh but we love what we do we we make these handcrafted leather journals and absolutely we've seen because of the pandemic uh, a rise in the mental health of uh our nation um in general i'd say in the world and and just this desire i think that people have to uh, improve their mental health and the need for it is there and sure. so we we really hope that we're making at least a small dent in that process. Yeah, absolutely. I so. bet you are. Well, you know what? Um, you've had a huge um, journal entry recently mm-hmm. as yeah. a result of um, what's been going on with you. So talk to me a little bit about that. Let's jump into what happened to you that caused you to have a close call or close calls, plural, with death. Yeah. About that. Well, I, uh, so actually it's been about seven months um, since I actually had a heart attack at uh uh, 46 years old, um, and had three, three stents put in my heart luckily and, and didn't have to do open heart surgery, but, uh, that was a pretty eventful, impactful, uh, experience for what me happened to go that, through. Where, where did that happen? How did it happen? Tell me more about that. What went down? 
you know, um, hindsight is funny because you, you get to understand and see a lot of things that you, you don't notice when you're going through it. But, um, I actually had had two heart attack events before I went into the ER earlier in the week. Um, I, uh, I, I like to work out. I've been a, a CrossFit, um, uh, I wouldn't call me an athlete, but I've definitely been interested in CrossFit for the last 10 years. And I, I went to a, a gym that I've always been to. And for the first time in about 10 years, I couldn't even make it through the warm up. And this was on a Monday. Um, and I thought I was just out of breath. I thought maybe it was, I had recently just got the COVID vaccine. I thought it was maybe some residue from that and I just needed to rest. And so that Monday I just, uh, cut my workout short and, and didn't mention anything of it. Um, after 20, 30 minutes, I felt fine. And, and I went about my day and, and work schedule. Uh, a couple days later, I was playing some pickleball with some, some, uh, my brother and some really good friends of ours. And, um, as we were just warming up, I, I was struggling to breathe too. And during that and thought again, it was just maybe some residue from, from your vaccine. Yeah. My vaccine. And then on Friday, I was helping my wife with the yoga, uh, class that she was teaching as well as, uh, this, this health retreat she was at. And, um, the, we got through the workout and the, in the yoga class. And at the end of that, I also suddenly just felt really short of breath again. And this lasted a little longer. I was actually cleaning up and putting stuff back into the truck and just kind of keeled over. I had no energy and weakness and was just like, Hey, I, I got to lay down. I can't breathe. Um, and so she drove me down the Canyon and, uh, um, and we were up in Schofield reservoir at the time and we were trying to come back down here to, um, to, to Lehigh and, and at the time, um, we had a friend in the car and she just said, Hey, on a scale of one to 10, where's your pain threshold? And, and it hit me right then. I was like, well, I'm at like an eight or a nine, you know, and I thought I was just having struggled breathing and I just needed to rest. And but then, the pain, it was just intense, heavy pain in your chest. Yeah. It wasn't sharp. I think that was the perfect dis- description. It was heavy and it was just heavy enough to where it was like, really just consistent, heavy, solid pain. And at the time I thought it was literally my breathing. You know, I just was like everything I could think of and, and do in terms of just controlling my breath, just keeping from panicking because I really couldn't breathe. And, and I thought it was all in my lungs. I, I didn't really feel like I had a heart issue. Um, mm-hmm. And so by the time we made it down the canyon, though, I felt fine, you know, and I think I was at like a level one, but, but my wife had said, you know, Hey, we're taking you straight to the ER. There's no questions about it. Cause I'd told her about these other incidences I'd had earlier uh. in the week. Um, and so I was like, all right, fine. But as soon as we got down to about Spanish fork, I was like, ah, maybe we don't need to go in. And, uh, um, she's like, nope, we're headed in. So we, we went into uh, Lone Peak ER and it's it's pretty funny when you mention at the at the check-in desk if you say hey you're you're a, you're a male you have shortness of breath and chest pain they bring you right back like there's no waiting <laughs> Which, you just go just straight past go and go to the front oh yeah they no they send you right into the back they they had a they had the uh, emergency doctor there in, in a in a second and a flash and they started doing all these tests and um, every test came back normal um, EKG was fine. The ultrasound was fine. Um, I can't remember what else they did. And the, and the only thing they were waiting on was some blood work. Uh, and he, and the ER doctor at this point, I'm feeling really sheepish and, and just kind of stupid. I'm like, you like, know, man, I should not be here. Yeah. I was like, well, it was probably just indigestion and, and I really shouldn't be in the ER taking up all this time, you know? Yeah. 
And then he got the blood work back and showed up and said, hey, well, based off of, off of the blood work that we've got, you've had three major events this week, and um, including the one that you just went through, and, and we, you could be you know, this close to having another episode, and, and that could be it. And so he had, a, he had already scheduled a, an ambulance. He's like, we can't do anything here, but we're going to send you up to St. Mark's Hospital and get you on the on the ER table and we're going to, we're going to look at, you know, put a scope in and, and take a look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he, he had a neat, an ambulance already out and ready and waiting. And, and um, that was pretty shocking. To, oh, I bet to it get, was. get that news like all of a sudden. So. Yeah, just get, reality just sets in and you realize how serious this whole thing is. And I bet it was shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was. I think it was even more shocking for my wife, Becky, than for me. Um, that's not the first time that I've had life-altering news. Um, I actually had cancer, uh, testicular cancer, back when I was 33, so almost, uh, what's that, 12, 12 13 years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story around that is also very similar. I, I had uh, went in for a, a checkup in uh you know, out comes the doctor and, and basically says, "Hey, you've got cancer, and we need to get this out." And and that that is also a, a whole Punch different in the story. Gut. Yeah, yeah. But but with the heart attack, for me, the interesting thing was is as he told me this, um, I had this this really strong feeling of calm that came over me almost immediately, um, even though I knew it was it was severe or it was it was a very serious event. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't. I, I felt fine at the time, um, but from the way that they strapped me to the emergency, the gurney, and put me into the um, ambulance and, and, you know, lights and everything, sending me up to St. Mark's and wheeled me right through the door um, into the operating room, you know, and within 10 minutes I was um, sedated and they were they were going through a, a, a scope and eventually it turned into three stints in my heart and... and um, as I came out of surgery, the doctor told me, you know, one more, one more closed artery, and in that I would have been gone. Uh, gone. I would have definitely not have made it. And oh so, my gosh! Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, That's a close call. Uh, yeah. And so take me back to what Becky was feeling. Your wife. Yeah. So for for me, the, it was an interesting dynamic to have that kind of a feeling for Becky. You know, obviously, for her, it was it was. Um, a little bit more impactful, I think, from the sense that she, she just kind of got left there. You know, at the time we hadn't even uh, talked to our kids, we hadn't talked to anybody, and and I was suddenly in an ambulance gone, and she was just supposed to meet us up in St. Mark's, and and so I think that really hit her a whole lot harder than me. I had this feeling within me of like, hey, I'm going to be just fine, and um, I, I have some reason why that's the case, but for her, I think it was this this pure moment of just like, am I losing someone that I love? And, and right. what do I do here? So there was, you know, as she puts it, you know, she kind of just stood there in the parking lot for about 15 minutes, just kind of dazed going, okay, oh. well, what do I do now? So, yeah. Scary. Yeah. yeah. So talk to me about that. What you just said, you know, you had a sense that, uh, of a little bit of calming, uh, why did, were you feeling like that? Um, I, uh, you know, I think this goes back to, to when I had cancer. Um, I went through six rounds of chemo um, in that experience and never once 
during that time did me or my wife ever feel like my life was in danger. Um, but there were a few times at the end of the, 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 the rounds of chemo, I think my sixth round of chemo when my body was in uh, pretty much a, a completely debilitated state and, and just physically I was worn out and exhausted and done. And um, I had this episode during that experience where um, my fever had spiked to about 104, 105, which is really, really bad when your immune system is completely suppressed. And, and uh, we were supposed to, to, to go into the, to the hospital at that time, um, but I had lost consciousness in my bed and Becky couldn't move me. And I remember kind of coming in and out of that consciousness, knowing how I was feeling and just um, telling Becky that, you know, I think I don't know what was going to happen next. And I just couldn't feel and I, I just remember kind of incoherently trying to explain to her that I was I was done. Like, I think I had just mentally and, and uh, emotionally felt like, hey, I think I'm just going to call it quits. Which probably <laughs> impacted her a whole lot more than me. I think at that point I lost consciousness to some degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had this experience at that time where during that unconscious state, uh, I remember just feeling and seeing this this uh, this amazing uh, light, if you will, um, but it was more of a feeling than an actual light. At the same time, I could I could actually feel and see these these beams of of, of light uh, kind of coming down and resting on me and my body, and and uh, as as every single one of these these beams of light. Uh, came and rested on my body I could feel the healing power just kind of come back into my bones um, and this kept continuing to happen during this experience where I kept feeling and seeing and the light continued to get brighter and stronger and this feeling was, was super intense and uh, suddenly there was this one presence that was brighter and lighter uh, than anything else in the room and it just impacted me in such a way that I could feel my body being healed. And I just remember asking the one question, how is this possible? And, and the feeling I got back, I, he, there may have been words, but I understood it completely was... A hundred percent, it was the love that what I realize now is that my Heavenly Father has for me and for everyone, just this amazing amount of love that exists that is almost indescribable to tell. And, and that was that experience for me. I ended up waking up um, and being coherent enough to, to get in the car and we made it to the hospital and the ER and, and, and then they helped me recover from there but I think most of that healing power was done at that time the uh, 
how that how that relates to the the heart attack experience is that same feeling that I experienced during that super vulnerable moment hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, the second I got the news from that ER doctor, um, and I recognized it. Without the same experience, I recognized the feeling. And the difference this time is, is it wasn't necessarily healing my body, but it was a discomfort. But the same, same impression came upon me again, which was, I'm here. This, this love is infinite. This love is, is boundless. This, is, this love is unconditional. And it's there for you. And so... I think that uh, that completely calmed me in a way that I think uh, I was prepared for earlier uh, in order to have that happen. So the interesting thing about all of this is, is that during my, my cancer experience um, and as I lost consciousness, my wife did the only thing she knew what to do at the time kind of in this state of panic and that was to just reach out and pray uh, to, to her Heavenly Father and the experience she had during that same time was impactful not only to her that gave her the comfort that she needed to know that I would be okay but, but I really do feel and I really feel like that I could feel her prayer in fact, as I've thought about this experience over and over again, I, I think that all these rays of light that were coming to me were actually the prayers of people that knew us, that were looking out for us, and how that impacted me in, in a way that was not physical or what we think is reality, but still, nonetheless, it was real. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing that um, with us, Isaac, because that's getting raw. I mean, really real and um, just relaying a, of an experience, you know, that it's just so, like, special and sacred to you. You know, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when um, you've never, ever really had a history of... of bad health or anything like you say you 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 were always working out and part of a crossfit program um i mean looking at you right now you're physically fit um you, you're well thanks <laughs> yeah i mean if i could just explain you know you're how to how tall six one six one and weigh how much 190 185 yeah, yeah like perfect size and fit and didn't have any warnings, you know, that something like this would happen to you, especially with your cancer that you had. And then this heart issue, you've had to go through a couple of hard things that other people do from time to time. And, um, of course, you know, sometimes lifestyle changes, lifestyle choices can lead to illnesses like you just went through. And sometimes they just rear their ugly head. And, um, Talk to me about just having gone through that and being such a surprise to you. Where does that take you now post illness when you think about 
what's left in this second half of your life. When you're thinking about, you know, you live, have lived such a cool life and everything's been going along so good and you have such a cool family and a great company. And I mean, all these good things, something like this hits hard and it hits you spiritually, physically, mentally, everything. Tell me how you cope. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if we cope, right? Um, I think we, we just keep one foot in front of the other. Uh, but I love what you're talking about. Um, you know, a heart attack is, is one thing, but I'm going to go back to the cancer scenario um, because that, that did really hit me uh, probably me even more out of the blue than, than the heart attack. Um, uh, I really feel like that what brought on this, this illness or the sickness was an imbalance at the time for me. Um, I, I, uh, I was working way too many hours, um, struggling and, and wanting to provide for my family and see this, this company that I've been building grow. Um, but I was putting in some serious work, uh, time. In fact, when, when I got the news that, Hey, you have cancer, um, we need to go in and do surgery right away. <laughs> my response was, I don't have time for that. Um, I, had of course. A couple, I had a couple trade shows coming up and um, I hadn't even actually talked to my wife who was eight months pregnant with our, our third daughter, our youngest daughter. And I had been at a trade show and, and literally had gotten home late the evening before and then went into the doctor the morning of. And so I, I didn't even tell my wife that I was going to the doctor. Um, and then I went straight to work after hearing that news and didn't even come home till almost eight o'clock that night oh. before I even told Becky. Um, that tells you kind of where my priorities were. Right. Um, <laughs> a little bit jacked up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what was really cool about that was the shift that did have to happen. And I think, you know, obviously uh, that kind of an experience will shift your mindset <laughs> pretty drastically in a lot of ways. Uh, for one, it, it forced me to, to really slow down in, in that regard. Um, I talk a ton about fly fishing um, and how important it is to me. Um, that's a, a sport that, along with a lot of other things, passions of mine, I'd given, kind of push, push them to the wayside. Uh, and then after, after going through this cancer and, and recovering mode, I had reawakened this passion I have for fly fishing. And, and it, it, in a lot of ways, was really uh, instrumental in helping me maintain a balance and not just jumping right back into uh, this work uh, work life in balance before. And so I, I used fly fishing for a number of years after that as, as kind of a way to keep me in check uh, in terms of some balance. And, and what that really helped me see more than anything was, was recognizing a little bit of the difference between the work I do every day to for my business and what, what I really want out of my life's work um, and making sure that m my mindset and my body and my, um, my thinking is around what I want to do for life in, in my life, what, what kind of impact do I want to make and what is really important and not just how big can I grow my business, um, sure. which is really kind of where the mindset was initially. Um, with, with the heart attack, I think that was even a further step in me kind of recognizing um, what, what is it that I need to still be doing um, here. And 
I'm still trying to figure that out, I think, um, to some degree, uh, because I felt like that, and I do feel like that I'm, I'm on the right path. Um, but I have this, th- this feeling that I need to be doing more, and, um, and I think that's what the heart attack really told me was, hey, um, you, you made it through this experience, um, and there's a reason for that. So that has really helped spur me on making sure that, that I'm making the right impact in the right areas that I need. And, and part of the reason why I, I feel like that has to do with uh, a patriarchal blessing I got back when I was 14 years old. Um, what, what is that? What is a patriarchal blessing? It's a blessing that uh, the LDS faith that I'm a part of uh, is given out to mostly young teenagers, um, young members of the of the church that that want a a blessing to help uh, as a guide in their life. It's it's a it comes from a patriarch, uh, usually someone that's a senior in the in the in the ward or the stake that has. Um, been given the calling to to pronounce these blessings and it's a it's a it's a guide if you will um that you can then use to to look back at and and refer to on 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 how to live or guide your life and and move forward with it um and i i believe that to to some degree some of that is is a self-realization. The, the more you're going to look and read it at a blessing like that, the more you'll, you'll naturally make that happen. Um, but in this instance, you know, there's a, there's a specific sentence in there that really has no reason being in there. And it, it's pretty short. It just says your mo- your body will be made immune from any disease and you will live to fulfill the purpose that you've been called here to do. And when I had cancer the first time, that, that sentence really hit. And I thought, this is, this is the, the disease that I'm being made immune from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then when I had a heart attack and recognized how quickly I went from being in the ER to the operating table to home, um, I was like home in nine hours. Um, after surviving a heart attack, which is the number one disease in the world, um, heart disease, and how quickly I was made immune, uh, per se, right? I mean, obviously, right. obviously, I still need to be careful with what I eat and stuff like that. But yeah. but the reality of it is, is an experience that I think less than twenty years ago would have been fatal. Been fatal, um, and here I am, back at full force and working within a week. Um, you know, that, that hit me even harder with like, okay, now here's two experiences where my body is, is, has had these, these opportunities to, to not survive. And yet I've been given this, um, what, what should I be doing further to make this impact that I need to make? Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now is. So where's your focus? Is it a lot on your self-accomplishments? Is it helping other people, your family, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, future posterity? Where's your kind of focused area now that, that you have this kind of like revived um, 
ambition to do whatever you can in, in life going forward? Yeah, my so my focus is is not so much on me, um, but on how I can help others see and recognize their value. Yeah, is literally I would say is my purpose, um, and how I'm doing that I'm not exactly sure yet. Uh, I have this I have lived a pretty abundant life. I have these amazing stories and experiences to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I have felt this incredible power of love that I think is for everyone and is existing out there that if I firmly believe if, if more people truly tapped into that power and could understand its greatness, that would help them in ways that, that is not being done um, or they're not receiving. And so I definitely want to grow in my capacity to to share in that ability and, and, and give back and helping others tap into that and feeling that same, uh, that same love and, uh, connection to a higher power, if you will, that, that is absolutely out there, but is not as prevalent as it needs to be. Um, so what is your relationship with your heavenly father now in Jesus Christ? Uh, is it different? Has it been just absolutely enhanced because of that loving experience that you had? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's changed, um, drastically since that time. I I think there was a little bit more, uh, probably because of my upbringing and, and just, I think our human nature is to really put conditions upon a relationship with our heavenly father or a higher power. Uh, if you will, there's always this idea that we have to do better. We have to be stronger, uh, in order to get approval. Um, I don't know why that is, but I think that's a very human thing. Um, but since these experiences, I've recognized more than anything that that, that is not the case, uh, at all. In fact, um, there's just this, if we really truly understood how much love and support and just um, safety that is there with us turning to a heavenly father or to a higher power um, that and believing that in a way is 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 so impactful and it's it's been for me uh, just this awesome weight I think off my shoulders in, in, in a way that has not only helped my uh, my self-worth, my sense of self-worth my, my self-esteem uh, anxiety and worry um, almost dissipates regardless of the type of stress that I'm under I mean, um, you know, just look at the examples, you know, for me to, to feel the way I did during a heart attack when I easily could have been panicking and, and saying for sure what's happening and instead just understanding that, hey, my Heavenly Father has my back, um, and I feel it, and I know And you it. knew that. You felt that. You came to a, an understanding of that more than ever before during that episode. Absolutely. It, it, in fact, it was, a, it, was a, it was a confirmation. It was like a second attempt because of my previous one during cancer. I think it was almost like a, hey, you didn't get it the first time, but here it is the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's hard to deny that. 
That's so awesome. That is so awesome. Are you afraid at all of the impending? All of us are going to go someday. There's no way of getting out of this world alive, um, so to speak. And so having experienced what you did twice now, does it give you a sense of peace or does it make you afraid at all of what could happen? Um, absolutely a sense of peace. Uh, I'm not, I'm not afraid to die. Um, and clearly I have a lot more to do before I'll get there, but yeah, (laughs) but maybe not, maybe, maybe time will run out, but I doubt it. I actually have no fear of, of passing on to the next, next phase, next life, uh, if you will. Um, I, I love this quote. I think it's Mark Twain that said it, but you know, those, you know, those that are, those that don't fear death are, are, are truly living, you know, and those that fear death have not yet learned how to live. Um, that's a great one. And, and it does, it, it really resonates with me because I think what he means by that isn't so much how many activities you're doing. Um, but it really is, are you alive? Do you feel, um, do you relate? And by feeling like, do you really relate to this, this higher power, to this consciousness, to this, this heavenly father in a way that is real? Um, and I feel like there's a lot of us out there that suppress that. We don't want to feel that. And so it makes death even more scary, right? Because we know that's what we're going to have to see when we cross. Um, and for whatever reason, we have this idea that it's going to be all doom and gloom. And and I think it's going to be the opposite of that. And if we have that mindset shift, how, uh, how much more alive can we feel now? You know, so, so I, I'm in no hurry to pass on to the other sure, side. Sure. Um, cause I want to feel that kind of feeling here. Um, and that's what really what is what makes me feel alive is, is having those experiences, having that relationship, tapping into that, that energy and that safety, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that's available for all of us. I don't, I don't think we need to have a near death experience to experience that, um, but it, it, I think it has to be, there has to be more done to, to bring that out. So. Well, I think the, the cool thing about these interviews on this podcast is that um, those that have interviewed, including yourself, have a sense of peace and a desire to help others. Absolutely just uh, like this quantum pivot to help others get through challenges that they're going through and help them mentally and physically um, just meet the challenge and see it as life in general. And that's what we're here to experience. And you're going to be okay. I can just see it in you that that's, you're a teacher now, you know, you've taken that and you're not just holding all the cards to yourself. You, 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 you want to help others around you. So, um, I love that about why you're here today and and why this message is getting out. Yeah. You don't have to go through cancer or, a heart attack or something like that. There are people that have done it like you, that the rest of us can live vicariously through you, your experience and gain a little bit of appreciation for the goodness in this life, how much good there is and how we can kind of push the dark things to the side. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, 
something that I'm, I'm learning is, is how to share uh, a little bit more. I'm a pretty private uh, person. Uh, I love to have a, a lot of fun, but when it comes down to these kind of things, I, I, I hold a lot in. Uh, I think that goes back to just my nature. I'm, I'm a journaler, um, and I like the privacy of that. Um, but that is one thing that I think I'm being prompted to do, which is to share a little bit more and to, and to, and hopefully that helps others feel and, and, and experience a similar, uh, experience that, that, that I've had, or at least gives, opens that door to, to some light, uh, if you will. That's fantastic. Any do-overs, any, would you do anything different? <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't really. I think I've never, never been one to really sit and look at the back, look at the past and say, hey, I need to, I need to do this over. Uh, absolutely, I think there's times when I'm like, man, I, I could have done this better. Um, but even, even then, we, we go through these experiences and we, we have these hard times. Um, but I learned this with cancer, which was the, the question isn't why is this happening to me? It was always what am I supposed to learn from it? Uh, and, and I think with that mindset, it's really hard to have a whole lot of regrets because without these experiences, you're not going to learn. You know, you're not going right. to get the what, right? Yeah. And, and I've learned so much. Um, the, the, I don't really have the do-overs. The, the, that kind of a what could I do differently? Um, just what am I supposed to be learning now? And and keep just putting that one foot in front. So, absolutely, um, I love that. And you know, I was just thinking, you know, with your uh, your whole experience going through all this, um, it's made you stronger, and it j- just kind of like this new, evolving Isaac Childs. It just this this person that just continues to take in all of this. Do you feel, you know, some a lot of people say in my life, just real authorities, people I look up to say there's no coincidences. You know, that the, there's a reason behind, behind certain things that happen. Do you think what happened to you is a just an accidental thing or a freak thing? Or do you think there was any kind of purpose behind the things that have happened to you? I absolutely believe that it was purpose-driven. Um, uh, I don't. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of coincidences uh, for a lot of reasons. I think we're either giving a certain challenges, certain roads and paths to follow. I also think that we manifest certain roads and paths that we're supposed to to go down. Um, and either one of those is whether we intentionally do it or not. It's not coincidence. Um, uh, it's it's part of our journey. Um, I talk a ton about this in, in the products we sell, you know, it's, we, we, we really want everyone to, to start a journey, tell a story, leave a mark. Um, and I a hundred percent agree. Like we all have this journey, this path to walk. Um, and it's not coincidence. We're not rudderless, you know, we're not just bumping around kind of in the trees, um, unless we choose to be, um, but we actually either unconsciously or consciously make that choice, um, it's not coincidence. Um, and I think, and I firmly believe that at any given time we can wake up consciously and choose, this is the direction I want to take, or this isn't the direction I want to take. And sometimes with, with things like cancer or, or heart attack or, 
or sickness. Like it's the road that we're given. Um, but we choose exactly how we want to go through that. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if I believe in coincidence. Um, yeah. Okay. I agree. I, I, I agree with you. I think things just happen and life happens and, and it happens in a way that can really present us with an opportunity to do something with this and, and make something magnificent. And we're, we're just human beings in the making and uh, just trying to improve ourselves and build upon our experiences and do something great in this life. And we have that absolute 100% potential to do that. It's just, what are we going to do? We're going to sit around and not ride that bull Fu Manchu for three seconds. Were were we not going to finish that song we were going to write? Are we going to not learn how to play play piano that we've tried a few times and quit? What are we going to do with these amazing gems of opportunity? And you have learned because you were right up against the wall. You almost didn't, weren't able to stay in this life. As a result of that, you're like, what is it that I can do? What can I finish? So in final closing, will you just share with me final thoughts? What's in your heart? What do you want to tell today on this podcast that will be out there in their ways for a long time for people to hear that came from a guy who just went through a really tough situation a couple of times and made it. Um, how's that made you a better person? How can other people listening to this be better people? Uh, I, I think the way it's made me a better person is because of the impact that, I, it, that this, that the, the feeling I had from my heavenly father of this overwhelming blanketing just comfort of love and support and uh, not appreciation but approval for who I am as a person um that that absolutely has changed my life and it's it's shifted my perspective on how and what I choose to do and and I, I would love I would love that to be an experience that everyone can have and I know that everyone has that same love from our Heavenly Father that has that higher power looking at them I, I know that and I want to share that with others and I'm hoping that someone will, will just feel that spark of hey there is absolutely nothing in this life that we are are not supposed to do mm-hmm that we can't do be without and and we have our heavenly father's approval to to make whatever it is we want in this life to have happen um and his love and support behind it is is a huge catalyst for that and um i think that that's kind of key is is it starts there it starts with this this understanding that we are absolutely loved and we need to get that in our heads. And as soon as we do that, then I think the rest comes. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, is there anything you would like to say to that person that um, was your sweet pea that um, was by your side that went through these things with you? Anything you'd like to say to Becky? Man, um, 
a lot of what I'm talking about today, I think Becky already embodies. Um, she's got this connection to her heavenly father, to her higher power that is based off of this love that is incredibly strong. Um, and just, uh, I am so appreciative that I get to experience this life and journey with her. Um, and am super grateful that it hasn't been cut short. So I am too, man. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to tell us about this. So yeah, yeah, God bless you. You Isaac, you know, you're a good man. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for taking this time of reflection and letting us share in your experience, becoming a part of your journey ultimately impacts ours. So um, until we see each other again, my friend, uh, stay alive to tell about it, please. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You bet, bud.